Last week, the government of Indonesia passed a new law that criminalizes sex outside of marriage. I don't know how that's going to do or how they plan to enforce it. However, considering that places in Indonesia like Bali are known for sex tourism and prostitution may help us understand the context. It does make me wonder about the difference between civil law and God's law. It is possible to have something that is not good and not right according to God's law, but that is not illegal or criminal in a secular context. I suppose that the reverse may also be true. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. But I am reminded of a quote from Pope Benedict about how we cannot bring about the kingdom of God through politics. We probably can't get people to follow God's law by enforcing secular laws. What we need to do is focus on changing hearts. People will continue to have sex outside of marriage until they have a change of heart. This can't be enforced by civil law. It has to be taught in the home, in the classrooms, and from the pulpit. We have to help our young people understand what God intends for love, sex, and marriage. That would be the most effective sexual revolution. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and sitting here with me is my good old friend, Damien O'Connor. Hello, Deacon. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's your journey today? Oh, it's, it's the best it's ever been. Because yeah? I'm with you. Are you just going along the journey? I am. Daily journey. My least favorite word. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm sorry. I'm just making fun of Damien because apparently <laughs> he hates the word journey. Um, maybe some of our listeners are with you. And, or, uh, or some of them disagree. They probably love the word yeah, journey. So, so what's your Twitter handle there? They can tweet you at Damien. Ah, I don't have one. <laughs> journey. There's a good song. There's a band called Journey. Do you listen to them? Very good. You just ate yourself. But yep. Very, okay. very good band. We're the same age, so Journey. Jermaine um, is our book contributor today, Damien. Jermaine um, Bagnell has a segment called uh, Book Ends, and he's going to be joining us today with two books. So Jermaine usually has a children's book. I don't think he set out to do this, but he, he started reviewing children's books. Mm -hmm. So now every time he talks about books, he has a children's book. And then he's got some sort of secular self-help book that then he finds the connection, like a, like a faith connection. So um, I don't know what books he's going to talk about today, but I'm pretty sure one will be a children's book and one will be a self-help book. And that's in about five minutes or so after our song. And then, Damien, we're going into the breach with you. Excellent. Yeah. Can you, can you remind our listeners what? into the breach is because i still don't know <laughs> it's well, like a journey the, it's like a journey right oh here we go with the journey <laughs> into the breach was a document bishop olmstead wrote to help men catholic men to grow in their faith and to live their faith boldly in society and so that is our calling to step into the breach so then this segment that you uh contribute to once a month is mainly helping catholic men um, that's the idea. Yeah, if we can help men to be living their faith, I think that would benefit the church a great deal and families Absolutely. and communities. I think that would be wonderful. Okay, good. So then today, what are we talking about? Today, we're going to talk about what's called the core meeting, C-O-R, which is Latin for heart. Ah, You're, you're going to love it. We'll core. go on a journey together. 
Okay, so core meeting for men. That's in about 15 minutes with <laughs> Damien O'Connor. Um, uh, we're going to be journeying with Damien O'Connor in about 15 minutes. And then, okay, so now seri- all, in all seriousness, um, I just read a book called The Genesis of Gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I need to explain to you the whole conversation about gender that kind of annoys me a little bit. Um, uh, Professor Abigail Favalli, have you heard of her? She's I have, a, yeah. Oh, you have. Okay, good. Yeah, because you're like in touch with, with people in the church. So she's a professor at the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a background in, in gender studies and, and feminism. And uh, so she's just written this book, Gen- The Genesis of Gender. And I've been wanting to talk to somebody about this topic. And, and the only bad thing is that we only have 10 minutes to talk to her. So we probably will have the opportunity to bring her back, but it's a conversation that I'm very much looking forward to, and that's going to be in our second half hour. Excellent. Uh, we're going to be talking about gender and what that's all about, what the church teaches, uh, with Abigail Favale in our second half hour. And then we're going to be meeting um, at the end of the program. Uh, I had not heard about this congregation. It's a Benedictine congregation in the Ozarks in Oklahoma. Hmm. Have, you heard, have you heard of the Monks of Clear Creek? I have. You have? Of course. You should you should be hosting. My daughter goes to Benedictine College in Kansas. So there's circles there. That, okay, okay, yeah. cuz I've heard of other Benedictine communities in the mm-hmm. United States. I had never heard of Clear Creek. So um they've just put out an album. Did you know that? I didn't. I was going to say yes, but that would that just, would be a lie. J- yeah. yeah, no, but that's okay cuz you already know a lot more than I do, clearly. So um so the monks of clear creek have just released their first album it's called rorate chaley and 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 you're gonna have to tune into the interview to find out what that means um it's marian sounds of advent so it's an advent of course they do gregorian chant they sing chant they chant the liturgy and uh we're going to be speaking with father mark bachman he's the choir master of the abbey and he's going to tell us all about the community and about this first album of theirs and we're going to be listening to songs throughout the program uh, from that album. So excellent. A reminder to everyone, if you cannot listen to the whole show, but you really want to tune in to Abigail Favalli's interview or to learn about the Monks of Clear Creek, you don't have to panic. You can just later on go to our website, slmedia.org, where you can podcast the show. You can also listen to this program as a podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. So let's start with a song. Here are the Monks of Clear Creek with an excerpt of Rorate Celi from their new album, Rorate Celi, Marian Sounds of Advent.
was the monks of Clear Creek with an excerpt of Rorate Celli from their new album, Rorate Celli, Marian Sounds of Advent. And we're going to be speaking with Father Mark Bachman, choir master of the monks of Clear Creek, in about 40 minutes. So I hope that you can stick around for that. And now it's time for... Book ends with Jermaine Bagnall. Welcome back, Jermaine. It's good to see you. Likewise, it is good to be back to share some books on this lovely Advent season. I guess you've been uh, doing some reading. Uh, are these Advent books or your 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 regular children and self help? <laughs> yep, yep. The the recipe has changed. This I thought this month we would be uh, kids book free, but. Lo and behold, at the last minute, a beautiful one crossed my path, and I felt it needed to be shared. Oh, nice. And what better time than now? Absolutely. We love children's books. Okay, so so what do you got? So the children's book this time around is called When God Made You. The author is Matthew Paul Turner, and it's illustrated by David Catrow and published by Convergent Books in 2017. Uh, it's a a really beautiful and inspirational books book for for children to really live out like their imagination and just really be who God meant them to be. It's the way it's the best way to describe it is if Dr. Seuss's All the Places You'll Go was mixed with nice biblical lessons. That's okay. the best way I could describe it. It has that flow and that inspiration. Oh, fun. Uh, the, the, the illustrations in the book are absolutely fantastic. I actually showed it to a friend of mine who has children, and she was absolutely blown away. They're really rich in color. I, I, I don't know if it's like a watercolor or whatever they use, but it really has this beautiful kaleidoscope uh, imagery, really vivid, bold, and colorful. And the little girl who's the main character within it she's not really named she just really referred to as child of god and really often referred to as uh the, the kid living out their dream that, that this is how she's referred to throughout the okay. entire book and she has like this really cherub angelic look about her and and it's talking about um you know god really just wants you to be who you are you have like this beautiful seed within you let it out and the little girl in the book uh her dream that she's living out is being an artist and each page her art continues to grow and take shape and and it honestly i was mesmerized and partway through the book i was like wow i really hope they turn this into like an animated short it just had that okay okay yeah it just nice. had that really beautiful look um about it they i i think that the words of the author and um, the illustrations, they they just did such a tremendous job. Like, honestly, it, it I was just blown away. I wish I could show a picture to our audience. Well, so maybe we really can, maybe we can, we, we can definitely put uh, a picture with our, uh, on, on the website. So people can go to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast yes. and, 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 and just, uh, look at the description of the episode and we'll add some, some images. It sounds like you're very, uh, excited about the images and, and they are beautiful. I'm, I'm actually looking at them right now. Um, oh, but just, is it, a, is amazing. it a story or is it like, what's the content of the book? The, the content is like basically for oh I'll, I'll here's a small excerpt 
Out of billions of faces from cultures, all races, people God made from all different places. God knew your name, your picture is framed. God's family without you would not be the same. Because when God made you, this much is true. The world got to meet who God already knew. I see. You know? I see what you mean yeah. about Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Yeah. And it has that beautiful, I'll, I'll do one more quick ex excerpt. You, you, when God sees you, God delights in what is and sees only what's true. That you, yes, you, in all of your glory, bring color and rhythm and rhyme to God's story. And so it has that nice rhythmic mm -hmm. thing. And like for small children, they okay. really are into that. I think I, I don't have children myself, but like reading stories to my nieces and nephews, those yeah, are the ones that... It's like, again, again, again. And yeah, exactly. Really I was just going to say that. This that sounds like feel. the book that you're going to be reading every night for like six months. Absolutely. And what's interesting for this one, uh, parents can get this book, obviously a regular hardcover. You can also get it as a digital book. As a digital book. And it, and it also is available in audio. Oh, okay. I didn't. I okay. didn't listen to the audio version, but that's interesting. And you know, if parents are get a little busy, they can hand their little one the hardcover and uh, leave them with the audio. Perhaps that's a know. great idea. That's you know, so it's idea. a nice little mixed media one. So that okay. it, it that one's really touching. All right. So that's when God made you by Matthew Paul Turner, illustrated by David Catro, and published by Convergent Books. Okay, good. And your second book, self help. Second, book? yeah, that's what it, you said. Yeah, it's self-helpy, business-driven. Okay. Um, this one is called The 10X Rule, The Only Difference Between Success and Failure by Grant Cardone. Okay. Uh, published in 2011. It's an older one by Wiley Publications. And the basically the idea behind this, so Grant Cardone, is, uh, he is an entrepreneur, uh, sales educator, that sort of thing. And his whole thing, his, his secret thought for his success is – basically having the idea of whatever you're going to be doing you have to multiply your efforts by 10 so if your his success in um in sales is if he knew he wow. had to make 50 calls he would in fact do 500 calls so he'd go above and beyond wow. okay and he really emphasized being positive really emphasized being a, a can do really emphasize that every problem has a solution Okay. And it, it's just really this positive outlook of the possibilities of what can be. And yes, this is towards business and that sort of thing. But he also says that, you know, you apply this towards your life. You apply this towards your family. You apply this, um, you know, if you think you want to do a 10K, you know what, train for that marathon. So he's always up in the ante. So some might ask, well, what does this have to do with our Catholic faith? Well, you think about it. Yeah, uh, and this actually reminds me of a homily. Uh, the, the priest at my my church once said that it's not enough. Like, yes, if you're there every Sunday, that's beautiful, that's mm -hmm. wonderful. But as as Catholics, that becomes the bare minimum. If yeah. you think about it, that, that, that of course. So so if you're able to, like, let's set your your goals. You know, it's like okay, and I don't want to just go to Sunday service. I want to dedicate now I'm going to do the rosary once a day. But if you're going by Grant Cardone, you know what? Let's do this twice a day or three times a day, you yeah. know, before you eat your breakfast, before your lunch, before I your see, dinner. Yeah. yeah that's it's, a great it's, lesson right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's looking you ten know, times. Ten times. And you look at our, our within each parish is different, but each parish does have multiple ministries. 
take a moment. What are you being called to do? Mm-hmm. Take the time to get involved. Take the time to really to 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 do that. And it can be a family affair. You know, if you want to do the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, I mentioned that one because I, I love it and, and try yes. to be involved as much as I can. You know, maybe it's your husband and wife. Maybe you bring out the children. You know, it you involve everybody and you put in that that added mm-hmm. effort. And one of the things that he talked about is setting out the goals, like write them out every morning and every night. So if your big go- your big faith goals are around the rosary, are is getting involved in a ministry. Maybe it's starting a ministry. Maybe yeah. it's you know. It's really taking uh, time for self-reflection, but backing it up with massive action. I like so that. that. I like that very much. And and I like your example of, you know, like doing the bare minimum. And as Catholics, we tend to just do the bare minimum. We think we go to mass mm-hmm. on Sunday. That's it. That's one hour a week. How about mm-hmm. 10 hours a week? Um, mm-hmm. And if you're doing yeah, maybe, 10 yeah, minutes maybe, of prayer... Maybe, Mid- yeah, mass, yeah, exactly. Or, or people are doing 10, 10, 10 minutes of prayer a day. Well, multiply that by 10, do 100 minutes. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, that'll certainly uh, be the difference between success, if I can use that word, when it comes to faith and failure. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great, uh, yeah. great advice. And, and right I, I, yeah, and I guess my, my one thing to add on to that, as somebody who did RCIA, so converting into the faith, um, Somebody who I know who is a cradle Catholic had once said, it's it's easy to kind of rest on our laurels. It's like yeah. I grew up with it, so it's yep. just always yep. there. And he's like, you converts tend to reinvigorate me because yes. often you are exactly. all the ones who get like super excited and, and like are jumping into everything. And we all have to remember that for non-Catholics out there, we are the greatest advertisement, if you want to say, of yeah. our faith. It's, so it's true. Like, how are we living it out and how are we showing that love to those around us? Yeah, there you go. And if you're going to do it, do it 10 times what you think. 10 times. Doing. All right, good. <laughs> so that's the 10X rule. The only difference between success and failure by Grant Cardoni, published by Wiley Publishers or Wiley Books. Um, and then the first book that you mentioned was When God Made You by Matthew Paul Turner, illustrated by David Catro and published by Convergent Books. Um, thank you, Jermaine. Uh, good, uh, good advice there that I think works for Advent as we go into the Christmas season. Um, mm-hmm. And if I don't see you, have a Merry Christmas and a blessed rest of the Advent season. Thank you and same to you and to all our lovely listeners. Jermaine Bagnell is our book contributor and he's also the producer of the Salt and Light production Working in Faith. You can watch that at our website, slmedia.org, and you can follow him at Jermaine Bagnell. Hi, I'm Ryan Trimbley, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour podcast is available at slmedia.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, and the show will be delivered right to your device. And now it's time for Into the Breach with Damian O'Connor. See, I try to do like a deep voice, but I don't know if I can quite do it. I might have to use like a special voice effect. It was okay. A voice effect. So core core meetings, C-O-R. Yes, sir. I'd love to, I thank you for letting me talk about this. We're very, very excited about this core meeting. Core is Latin for heart. And we had this crazy idea. What if we found a way to evangelize not only Knights of Columbus, but 
to make it available, some sort of training and opportunity to grow in their faith for any man in the parish, because we already have our council meetings. Okay. What, what if we created a separate space that's separate from the business where we provided prayer, faith formation, and fraternity? Just bring the men together and make sure all of those three elements have really quality products to, to use and to implement. And so that's something we're launching now. It's in a pilot stage. We've asked for five of our what called jurisdictions. So in the United States, a state of Massachusetts, let's say, is, okay, a jurisdiction. is a jurisdiction. Yeah. So we asked for five and we received 21 volunteers. Okay. And one, one of them's in uh, British Columbia in Canada. Okay. Wonderful. So, yeah. Very excited about this. So this is just to back up. So this okay. is not something that happens during your regular Knights of Columbus meeting. It's a separate activity that the Knights of Columbus in a council, presumably in a parish, are sponsoring. And it's open to anybody who, any men mm -hmm. who would like to attend. That's correct. And it's 100% volunteer. I so some it. of our guys are very excited about it and some not so excited. And so our response to that is, well, you, you don't have to be part of it, okay. you know, but you're welcome to. And so our contention is if I'm really growing in my faith and I'm really praying with my brothers and, and we're also just hanging out, just yeah. being together with good men, then all the charitable work that the Knights of Columbus do has much more meaning all of a sudden. Yeah, it becomes less charity, much more mission. Uh, yeah, of course. I was going to say that I think it also, I mean, ideally everyone's doing both, but maybe some, some men feel like there's too much business happening in those council meetings or too much. And then I wish there was more of the other, and maybe other men feel like I'm not joining the Knights of Columbus because I'd like to have just faith formation. Mm -hmm. So maybe it is something that's also going to be able to provide more for a larger group of people. I mean, we hope and we hope so. And we think that the business makes more sense if when it's when it's based in of course your, your formation. And then of course. not to oversimplify, but then you say we also have to get some business done. We have yeah, to vote course. on some things, we got to spend some money, blah, blah, blah. But if you're just doing that, eh, yeah, it's a little exactly. sterile, not much, you know. But if if it's the whole package, you're growing in your faith and we focus on our charitable work. Um, we, we really think this is going to, it's going to take off and we're, again, it's voluntary and we're training our guys how to do this. That's okay, the so, important so, part. So that's what I want to know. So tell me about that. You said that you have 21 jurisdictions, 21 states, I guess, councils that are trying it out. Correct. Um, and so we set up a support structure, if you will. Um, so we brought in 63 men to New Haven, Connecticut, and we did a major training for four days. Uh, and it's essentially a train the trainer model. So they mm -hmm. then go back to their states um, and then they implement it there. And so that when it gets down to the council level and I'm a grand knight and I say, well, well how do I do this? You know, it sounds great. What do I do? Then they re simply reach out to the team that came to the training. Right. Instead of reaching out to the, you know, our headquarters, that's not practical. No. But they now have a support system right there their jurisdiction to to assist them in implementing this and is it the kind of thing i mean eventually if you have i mean you have 50 states i don't know how many states in other countries as well mm -hmm. jurisdictions is it event you're not going to be able to train everybody personally is it eventually going to be like a really easy manual that you can just kind of follow the the leader's guide kind of thing sure and anyone can run a session it's a great question we are, we already created the leader's guide and we have a guidebook. 
Mm-hmm. We also have a one pager for that. The guy that goes for me, just give me the one pager. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like reading me. that up. Yeah. It's just me. Yeah. Exactly. Give me well, the, the one, one for you is a lot of extra pictures in it and things <laughs> yes, like that. To help like the children's book that Jermaine was talking about. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, yep. And that, that and uh, so we're, we're excited. We're scared. It's all everything all together. Cause right now it's being implemented for the first time in these 21 jurisdictions. And, but here's the thing, if you don't mind me sharing this, no, in the state of Tennessee, about six years ago here in the U S they said in the Knights Columbus, we are all, we're always about numbers. Got to get more guys to join, right? Yeah. The state of Tennessee to toot their horn a little bit. They said, we're not going to worry about numbers at all, which it's just crazy talk for us. And what they said was, we're going to focus on helping our men grow in their relationship with Christ. Deacon Pedro, these, that jurisdiction has won the highest awards we give out for the last four years in running. And they're not focusing on numbers. Yeah. And yet their numbers are going through the roof yeah, because sense. men want to be part of this. Yeah, makes They've been focusing sense. on faith, prayer, relationship with christ you know things we should all be doing yeah absolutely works yeah absolutely absolutely somewhere along the way we forgot that jesus is enough yeah exactly we did we got busy doing all these other things we forgot about focusing on christ absolutely no this is why what what you're doing for the knights of columbus is wonderful so then tell me one last thing Mm -hmm. what would one of those core meetings look like for example very generally like what are the components that that are you know if i'm a leader and i you know, what would a great what question. Like? So, and we provide that in our one page or in our guidebook, but mm-hmm. just for, for now, we let's, you could start out with prayer, could be praying the rosary together. We mm-hmm. also shouldn't assume everyone knows how to pray it. So you have a yes. handout of how yep. to pray for sure. Then you watch, for example, a, one of our into the breach videos, which okay. are about 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. After that, there's a guide to help small group discussion. And then lastly, some sort of activity where you're just hanging out together to okay. conclude the evening, to conclude that time together. Very, very simple. Yes. Uh, good. Good. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, if people think, you know, I want to do a prayer group or I want to do a group or something and they don't even know what to do. And really there's not much more that you need to do other than start with a prayer, have some sort of reading or something to reflect on and discuss and, or learn, and then, and then have some cookies and, and, uh, or maybe better than cookies baked goods i don't know <laughs> date squares and coffee or that's something right else yeah exactly and that's all we need so fellowship and prayer and nourishment spiritual mm-hmm. nourishment exactly. okay so this is a new initiative with the knights of columbus uh hopefully is going to catch on it no not hopefully it's going to catch on exactly um but you're trying it out and uh maybe we have some um, brother knights that are listening and maybe you're a brother knight that has is going to be trying this out in your parish. Let us know. Let us know how it's going. I know that you're going to reach out to Damien's office to let him know how it's going, but uh, you can let me know as well. Um, anything else, Damien? All good? That's yep. all good. I appreciate the opportunity to share this. Absolutely. Okay, good. And I'm looking forward to, I mean, my council is not one of the pilot ones, but eventually it'll trickle down over here to Ontario. All right. Thank you, Damien. If I don't see you, uh, which I might, happy end of the Advent season and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. Damien O'Connor is Vice President Evangelization and Faith Formation for the Knights of Columbus. You can learn more at kofc.org.
org. Coming up in our second half hour, the genesis of gender, and we meet the monks of Clear Creek. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. As many of you know, I grew up in Latin America and growing up learning Spanish grammar, and I always learned that the word gender applied to words. You see, in Spanish, words have gender. Some are male and some are female. But human beings don't have gender. They have sex, and there are two sexes, male and female. So when as an adult in North America, I started hearing the word gender being applied to human beings, it was a bit strange. But as it is with the normalizing power of popular culture, I think it's safe to say that probably universally today, everyone accepts the idea that human beings have gender. And apparently, gender is not related to their biological sex. Abigail Favalli has a background in gender studies and feminist literary criticism and teaches at the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. Her latest book is The Genesis of Gender, A Christian Theory, and so I can't think of a better person to have this conversation with. Abigail, welcome to the Sultan Light Hour. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, there's a lot that we could be talking about today, and we don't have a lot of time, but so briefly, how would you or how should we define gender? Right, that's a great question. I think so much of the confusion about gender has to do with the fact that there's one term that is given so many different definitions that are often contradictory. So you have people using the same word, but they mean very different things by it. So one of the standard definitions that developed kind of in the in the 1970s and has been pretty prominent is that Gender refers to the social or cultural norms or expressions of biological sex. So, for example, the fact that in our culture, women tend to have longer hair or slightly different dress. Those aren't strictly natural, but those are cultural expressions of something natural. And so um, sometimes gender is used to refer to the social expressions of sex. So you might hear people say, well, gender is a social construct. And that's usually what they mean by that, right? They're, They're referring to this definition of gender. More recently, however, we had the development of gender identity theory. And this is a very different understanding of gender, which refers to a person's self-understanding. So how I feel or how I perceive myself is my gender identity. And this might not have anything to do with biological sex. And what's interesting is that it's not actually a a social construct. It's like seen as this almost a soul, like this gendered soul. So those are two very different definitions. And it's this gender identity that is seen as not necessarily connected to biological sex. So I would say if we're going to use the term gender, which maybe we shouldn't, I'm not sure about that, but if we are as Catholics, we have to see gender as connected to sex. So gender referring to generativity, right? So the root of gender, gens, right? So it refers back to our, our generative potential. Um, So it's a category that refers to the whole person. So it includes sex. Absolutely. So, and it has to be connected to biology. So if when people bring it up is a good question to ask them, 
what they mean by gender or when 100%. they hundred percent. That's the best question to ask. That's the first question I ask. As soon okay. as someone asks me about gender, I say, well, what do you mean by gender? Mean because by gender? that will completely change the shape of the conversation. And I would say in general, if you can use the word sex, do it. Um, but if you, if you do want to talk to someone about gender make sure that you define what you mean okay. by it. That's good to know. So then, and then sex, would you say is very specifically and not just to human beings, but I think with animals, uh, maybe even plants as well. Absolutely. But it has right. to do with their gen. Does it also have to do with their generative potential? Yes. Yeah, it does. Right. So sex refers to the roles that males and females play in any sexual sexually reproducing species. So it really boils down to the structure of an organism in relation to how we create sex cells and create new life. So it's something we share with the animal world and the plant world and pretty so much everything with, except bacteria. It has to do with reproduction. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. um, and again, I have all these huge questions for you, so it's totally not fair. So I apologize. But so what would the church teach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the church, when the church talks about gender, they acknowledge the fact that there are, there are social, socially constructed norms related to sex. Like that, that's true. And that's important that we have a conversation about that because sometimes those social, social norms aren't good ones. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we can think mm -hmm. of traditions that have, have expressed sex in a way that undermines the dignity of women in particular. So it's important to be able to talk about that, that dimension. But at the same time, the church is very clear that you cannot separate gender from sex, okay. that the ground of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman is our biological sex. Yes. And so anytime you step away from that, you're stepping into an anthropology or an understanding of the person that is at odds with a Catholic anthropology, which sees the human being as a as unity of body and soul. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the body matters for yeah, Catholics. Yeah, of course. So would you say that science tells us the same thing? Yes. Right. <laughs> so I, th I think you, well, okay. So I think science is you know, science should take biological realities very seriously. Yeah, of course. Um, so, but at the same time, there there's also a sense in a Catholic understanding that there's a spiritual reality to manhood and womanhood as well, right? Because we're we're unities of body and spirit. Um, so there's a my my femininity or the fact that I'm a woman also has a spiritual dimension to it that's mm. important, and that's something that goes just be beyond. The scientific, the mere scientific, yeah, right? Okay. So the biological right. is essential. It's important. It's the foundation, but yet there's also more to being a human being than just our biology. Yeah, and I and I think if people want to understand kind of how we got here, <laughs> they should read the book, your book. Mm -hmm. um, but can I ask you quickly? Do we have a sense of like how do we get here? Is it because we're moving more and more into this kind of relativistic worldview of everything so that anything can be anything, whatever I feel? Is is that part of it? I think that's a big part of it. I also think a big part of it actually is our society becoming contraceptive, because I think with the acceptance of contraception, okay. that really shifted our understanding about what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a man. It shifts it away from generativity. Right. So we've kind of forgotten that that's the ground of what it means to be a man or a woman. And so now it's much more about appearances. It's much more about roles. It's much more about these externalities. And so it's almost like we assume that if you can mimic the appearance of the opposite sex, you genuinely can become that sex because we no longer think about 
men and women in terms of generativity. So I think there's been a, a contraceptive revolution, but that's unfolded in in tandem with a conceptual revolution. So a change in our understanding of these terms. Interesting. Okay, that's fascinating. Um, there's a film that you're featured in, you and a whole bunch of other people, uh, called Disconnected. We don't have a ton of time to talk about it right now, but can you tell us quickly um, kind of what the focus of the film is? Because I think a lot of our listeners would be interested in checking it out. Sure. So the film is an attempt to really understand our contemporary moment and especially why so many young women are deciding that they want to become or already are men. Why are so many of our young women fleeing womanhood and fleeing femininity? Because there's been such a sharp exponential rise in the last 10 years or so in um, gender dysphoria among young people. Mm -hmm. And so this is a documentary that pulls from a lot of different voices um, to really understand this phenomenon and also to kind of reroute our understanding um, in the truth and to under so to understand what's going on in our contemporary moment so we can better respond to it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that film is available for, for free, correct? Or for, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's, well, on, it's online, yeah. It's online. So Disconnected, D-Y-S, Disconnected, the real story behind the transgender explosion. I think the film also explains a little bit about how we got here. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. As does your book, um, mm -hmm. The Genesis of Gender. Um, I have so many more questions. Um, but so I'm a little uh, hesitant to let you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for uh, helping us understand this a little better. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that this is a topic that is very interesting to our listeners. So I know that we're going to get hopefully a lot of uh, feedback on this. Um, and hopefully we can get you back on the show. Because that'd be great. A very important conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Professor Abigail Favale is the author of The Genesis of Gender, A Christian Theory, published by Ignatius, and uh, she is also featured in the new documentary Disconnected, The Real Story Behind the Transgender Explosion. You can learn more about that film at their website, disconnectedmovie.com, and it's disconnected with a Y, D-Y-S, connectedmovie.com. Here now are the monks of Clear Creek with an excerpt of the Ave Maria Responsory from their new album, Rorate Celli, Marian Sounds of Advent.
That was the Monks of Clear Creek with an excerpt of the Ave Maria Responsory from their new album, Rorate Celli, Marian Sounds of Advent. Our Lady of Clear Creek Abbey is a growing monastic community in Oklahoma belonging to the Benedictine Solemn Congregation established out of France's Our Lady of Foncombeau Abbey. About 60 men live in the community and are dedicated, among other things, to the contemplative praying of the sung liturgy. They have just recorded their first album titled Rorate Celi, Marian Sounds of Advent, and to tell us more, I am now joined by their choir master, Father Mark Bachman. Father Mark, welcome to the Sultanite Hour. Thank you. Good to be here. It's good to have you. So um, I think our listeners probably have heard of Benedictine monks and abbeys, but how would you describe the charism of your community? I would say that uh, our community kind of uh, distinguishes itself from the the rest of the Benedictine presence in the North America in as much as we have stuck to the contemplative aspect of the uh, the rule we have no exterior uh, apostolate okay and so uh, our, our life turns around the liturgy and, and the reason why I ask is because my next question is going to be I mean you're obviously doing more things than just dedicating your lives to the contemplative yeah. sung you know the the singing the liturgy um uh-huh. so but I but I know that singing is a big part of what you do or the liturgy as you said um mm-hmm. So would people understand it better if you say that you're a cloistered community? That's what it means that you don't have no external ministry? Yes, uh, that, that, that's, that's approximately it. But our cloister wouldn't be quite as uh, strict as the, the strictest uh, Carmelites, like the for Carmelites. example. We never go out. We go out for doctor's appointments. We okay. even go out for when it's needed for shopping. Right. Okay. But you don't do any work outside of the community. That's right. That's um, right. And, and other than singing, what do you do? Well, well, um, we're a community, and basically we're a self-sufficient community. So everything that we has to make the the, the the community turn, make it work, has to be done by us. That is insofar as is possible. So we have to grow our vegetables and uh, take right. care of the cows, uh, cook the meals, right, etc. And all the way to, to teaching and okay. um, confessing and uh, giving spiritual direction to guests and things like that. Okay, I see. So when you say that you're that you're dedicated, that a great part of what you do is the contemplative praying of the liturgy. What does that mean? Well, uh, that means that just as uh, Saint Benedict specified in the Holy, Holy Rule, we um, get together eight times a day, uh, seven times in the day, and one time at night. Mm-hmm. And um, especially the whole spirituality the whole focus of our religious life is the liturgy the, that is um prayer of the church uh for the whole church we don't see ourselves as being isolated and just taking care of ourselves but right. we're part of the the diocese first and through the diocese the the whole church including the church in canada yes by the way i am canadian I'm oh. from vancouver british columbia wonderful and so um that's probably why uh they designated me. Uh, well, one another reason why they designated me to, to do this interview. Uh, interview. So um, our vocation embraces the whole church, but um, it uses the means that are simply uh, that uh, are, are res- 
restricted to our, our monastery. We don't go out and um, exercise uh, a bodily, a physical apostolate. Yeah, I understand that. So when, going back to the liturgy, so I think our listeners would be familiar with the liturgy of the hour. So when you said that those are the eight times mm-hmm. that you prayed, that's what, you're, that's what you refer to, the, 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 that's liturgy, right. the, the office of the church. Plus um, um, uh, mass, which right. is after, after terse, uh, we do, so, um, you'd say uh, sung mass every day. Okay. And uh, for the feast days, of course, we do solemn mass. Okay, good. So sung. So everything, every moment of prayer is sung. That's right. It's all community and it's all sung. That's right. Um, if you like, in that way, we call that the, the solemn celebration of the liturgy. In as much as it's not just uh, casual, everybody comes together and it's um, very deliberately uh, done. In praise of God. Huh? It's interesting. It's and I'm I'm glad that you uh, mentioned that you were from from uh, British Columbia. So obviously, I and I've been to the to the Abbey in Mission, BC. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I, I have to tell you that I never understood chant mm-hmm. until I went to the Abbey yeah. in Mission, and I and I heard them pray the liturgy, and I thought, mm-hmm. okay, this makes sense because that's yeah. the context in which it's intended for. Yeah, and if you don't mind me interjecting, um, to try and make Gregorian chant a piece for the concert hall is to not understand I, and, yes. and risk misrepresenting it. This is made for the liturgy. It's made for the praise of God. It's not made for just um, aesthetic delight. Yeah, 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 you're right, and which is why it sometimes doesn't even work in a in a contemporary mass at, you know in my parish because yeah, you have a too little, much contrast yeah too much contrast or you have you know 10 little singers in, in the choir trying to do chant when it's meant to be congregational and and in a way monastic um yeah. so so explain to me the purpose of the recording then if it's not meant for aesthetic purposes yes very good question we um, consent to do this rather reluctantly. Yeah, uh, I figured. We prefer you all to come to and visit us, huh? Yes. Um, and uh, take part in the liturgy. This is kind of just a spinoff of um, our life. Okay. It's also to allow you and other people to participate in our life in a way that they wouldn't normally be able to do. Right. It's also to, to give a taste of the liturgical spirit and whet the appetite of, of people. Uh, finally, th- this uh, CD could opportunely uh, happily be used as a pre- preparation for Christmas, a more meditative, contemplative, calming Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of uh, pre- preparation for Christmas because let's let's re- remind ourselves that Christmas is just not just about the Christmas tree. Uh, of course, it's uh, our Lord coming, and this is uh, this is uh, basically it's a sample of the the chance that the church has developed in this season mm-hmm. uh, with an optic to. Um, uh, to preparing us for Christmas. Right. So people should probably listen to it with an awareness that it is prayer. And yeah. I don't know, I, I like to close my eyes and, and maybe picture myself in the Abbey with you. Um, what does Rorate Celi mean? Yeah, Rorate Celi, um, we cho- chose that because the Rorate Celi, the very first track 
is a a chant that would have been very familiar two generations before. Okay. Uh, everybody would have sung that during Advent. But um, nowadays, uh, well, it's been kind of lost in the treasure chest. And, uh, well, why not take it out and uh, 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 present it again to, to the Christian faithful? Um, at Rorate Cheli, it dropped down uh, the y- y- dews from the heavens. Is uh, Okay. It's from Isaiah. Yes, uh, it's talking about the the savior. Let him come down, like of course, like the the dew, uh, and uh, it uh, the 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 um, the refrain is rather uh, well. It might even be recognizable to some. Huh? And then there's verses that. Um, uh, explain the desolation of Jerusalem and their desire for the Messiah. Huh? So there we go. And that's the first uh, track. And then um, on the very last track, you have that uh, melody again, but set to organum, which it, uh, uh, adds, um, if you like, another dimension, a dimension of, uh, of harmony to, to the chant. So um, that's just a, uh, Offered as a uh, as a piece of interest, uh, people uh, these days might find chant a little bit austere. Mm-hmm. So we we um, we uh, added a little bit of um, uh, polyphony to make it uh, perhaps more uh, attractive. Yeah, I wondered about that track actually, and I um, so I'm glad you explained it. Um, and that's a very good, I think, message for us to remember during Advent about the dew coming down from heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes we forget. Father Mark, uh, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us Certainly. today and for sharing a little bit of what you're, you do in your community. And I think you've, you've whetted our appetite enough to want to travel down to Oklahoma. There we go. Uh, and uh, that's the whole point. So our listeners, uh, don't, uh, don't delay. Drive over to Tulsa, the Diocese of Tulsa. <laughs> And uh, go visit the monks at the Abbey of Clear Creek. Um, thank you, Father Mark. Uh, thank you. Nice meeting you. And, and happy Blessed Advent and Merry Christmas to you, you and too. your brothers. You too. And everybody in Canada. You can learn more about the monks of Clear Creek and purchase their album and other things at their website, clearcreekmonks.org. If you missed a part of this interview or you want to listen to it again, head on over to slmedia.org podcast. All our programs are archived there. Here now are the monks of Clear Creek with that polyphonic setting of Rorate Celli that Father Mark was talking about. Organum, Rorate Celli, from their album Rorate Celli, Marian Sounds of Advent.
Listening to Organum, Rorate Celli, from the Monks of Clear Creek's album, Rorate Celli, Marian Sounds of Advent. And that will take us to the end of our program today. Remember that you can find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic podcast wherever you get your podcasts. But if you prefer, you can listen to all our shows at slmedia.org slash podcast. If you do the social media thing, please look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter and also Instagram. You can also email me, pedro at eselmedia.org. I respond to every single email or message that I receive. Thank you for being with us. Remember to pray for peace. Peace in Ukraine, peace in Nicaragua, peace in Iran, and in other places where there is conflict. May you have a blessed end to the Advent season. Pray for each other and take care of each other. And be sure to join us next week for our Salt and Light Hour Christmas special. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.